right, Nico, can you say welcome to another episode of Healthy Births, Happy Babies? It's a happy episode. Um, happy babies. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Healthy Births, Happy Babies. I'm Dr. Jay Warren. I am the host of this podcast. And today I am very, very pleased to have Dr. Marty Glenn with us today. She is someone that I've gotten to know her work through my studies with APA. I've been able to bring a lot of these people on as I've been learning more and more about pre and perinatal psychology. And Dr. Marty Glenn uh, gave a webinar and teachings on the ACE study, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. The ACE study was done back in the 90s. It was a huge, huge uh, study done by Kaiser, and it's called the Adverse Child Experience Study, and it really shows how these early childhood traumas or stressors early on in life can affect your physical health as well as your emotional health um, later on in life. And that shouldn't be groundbreaking work necessarily. The study itself like proved a lot that um, makes us parents be even more attentive to it. But really what we're going to be talking about with uh, Marty today is if we ourselves have gone through trauma and have become parents, Sometimes we'll carry that into our parenting style, either our style or um, when we're in the thick of things, we'll react rather than respond. And she has done a lot of work of not only understanding how these traumas are stored and how we react from them, but how we can overcome them. And she's going to be talking with us about that today, about how we can calm ourselves down as parents, how we can identify what may be triggers, and how we can overcome those so we can be better parents to our kiddos. And that's what this show is all about, right? And this is why you're listening, because you want to be the best parent that you can be. So before I switch over to my conversation with Marty, let me take a quick message and then we'll be right back. Hi, it's Dr. J, and I am so excited to announce to you that my new online program is now available. It's called Connecting with Baby During Pregnancy. And what it's going to do is going to teach you methods proven by the latest research in pre and perinatal psychology and epigenetics that are going to allow you to have not only a calmer and more relaxed pregnancy and to have a gentler, more natural birth, but on the other side of things, you're going to feel more confident as a mom and you're going to be able to soothe your baby that much easier because when you're able to bond with baby and connect right now during your pregnancy, it's only going to translate on the other side to just being that much more connected and be able to have them calm and soothe. It's a really important thing. So head on over to drj.warren.com slash CWB, that's connecting with baby, and you can learn all about it. Dr. Marty Glenn is the clinical director of Rizio Institute, offering professional trainings and intensive retreats to help adults heal adverse childhood experiences and trauma. She's an award-winning psychotherapist and educator and the founding president of Santa Barbara Graduate Institute, known for its graduate degrees in prenatal and perinatal psychology, somatic psychology, and clinical psychology. In her clinical work and training, Marty emphasizes the integration of the latest research in a number of fields such as epigenetics, polyvagal theory, neuroscience, attachment, pre- and perinatal psychology, and trauma. 
She's the recipient of the Verney Lifetime Achievement Award from APA, the Association of Pre- and Perinatal Psychology and Health. And now she lives in Santa Barbara, California, where she enjoys working with her husband, Ken, in their Rizio retreats. But outside of her work, her greatest passion is being with her grandchildren. So now let me switch over to my conversation with Marty. All right, Dr. Marty Glenn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning to you. I'm glad that we got to connect. I've known of your word for years uh, through APA, and we've you know had email going back and forth for a while, but we finally get to connect this morning and, and talk. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk about this subject and maybe to support uh, new families. Yeah, so that's what the show's all about, right? And it was through... APA that you and uh, Kate had done a long um, presentation on the ACE study, and we're going to talk about details about that, but also more so than just a research study, but what it means for us as parents, um, starting off in parenthood and also looking at our own parenting experience and how that might influence, or sorry, our own childhood experience, how it could influence um, our own parenting. But before we dive into all of that, like tell us, I mean, we heard in your bio beforehand, like your extensive work you've been doing throughout your career. How did you get started in the first place being interested in pre and perinatal psychology? Well, it's, it was an interesting uh, trek. I began in the late 70s, early 80s, and um, I was doing uh, hypnosis, uh, hypnotherapy, very body-based um, gestalt kind of therapy. And what I noticed, I learned all this from my clients. I would, we would go into a very deeply relaxed state and, and I would say, take us back to the source of this difficulty, whatever it was they were experiencing. And time after time, they would go back to some experience before they were born or during birth or right after birth. Well, I didn't hear anything about that in graduate school. <laughs> Nobody ever taught me about that early thing. But it happened so much that I began to study and to look at it. And then I found the Association for Prenatal and Perinatal Psychology, and I found out I wasn't the only one who had <laughs> discovered that, right? right. And um, then later on, um, after I'd done a lot of conferences with APA, and we'd done some um, videos and documentary films, and really trying to get the word out there, my husband Ken and I realized there was no place that you could study prenatal and perinatal psychology. So we started a college. We started the first college to offer um, master's and doctoral degrees in prenatal and perinatal psychology, somatic psychology and clinical psychology. And we ran that for 12 years. And um, after that, uh, my husband Ken and I started running retreats, which we had been doing all through the 90s. Uh, retreats for parents particularly, but for adults who wanted to heal their early adverse trauma, you know, anything that's happened to us that keeps us from being present and loving and available, um, a lot of times is hidden back in our early history. So that's kind of how I got to be so excited about this period of development and about helping adults heal that or to be all that we can be. It's very exciting work. <laughs> 
Right. And that's why I'm so happy you're here to talk about that, because I know I I have a four year old and relatively a new parent. But I hear this from all the parents that I work with where we're talking about certain things of parenthood. And we all inevitably say, like, oh, my gosh, that was my dad talking just then. Or, oh, my gosh, that was like my mom. Like, I can't believe I was just doing the same thing. And sometimes it's great. You know, it's uh, that we're emulating the parenting that we experienced. But oftentimes it's not. And so we want to be able to at least catch ourselves, but then also do some work to be able to understand the impact of that. And, and that's obviously like the work that you've dived in, dove into for years and years and years. So when let's, I guess let's talk first about the ACE study, which is kind of a tangible that um, really highlights a number of things around these adverse events, how it, the impact it can have on our children at growing up in adults. And then we can talk about the parenting aspect. Great. Um, What's well, very exciting study in the mid '90s, um, they were looking at Kaiser Permanente and the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, um, were looking at um, some pretty fairly healthy people, and they wanted to know what was at the bottom of their health issues. And it was very surprising that they learned that 67 percent of the the adults that they were working with had had some kind of adverse experience as children. And the more adverse experiences, the more types of adverse experiences they had, the worse their medical outcomes were. And um, they they noticed that, for example, um, if they had had um, well, let's just name some of the things that, that we're talking about at adverse experiences. Um, if you had a parent who was an alcoholic, um, perhaps you had a parent who um, was mentally ill, uh, you lost a parent, um, things happened that were uh, perhaps um, your parents were, they were mad at each other all the time. There was a lot of adversity going on in the childhood. And for some people, I have to say, we think, well, I had very loving parents. But even parents who were mad at each other in the other room, children pick that up. And what they found was that these adverse experiences relate directly to adverse outcomes decades later in heart disease, cancer, autoimmune disease, all kinds of physical ailments there were more, there's more medication for people who have adverse experiences, more loss of time on work, more marriages, more adverse experiences as adults when we ha- didn't have the, um, those early nurturing experiences that we needed to have. Now, I want to say we're not blaming parents, and we certainly can't blame ourselves because what we know is our parents treat us maybe even a little bit better than they were treated, but they can't give us what they didn't get. Mm, Good point. And Right? Mm -hmm. And so they did the best they knew how to do at the time. And for a lot of us, there was a lot of shaming, scolding, even physical punishment. Um, There was death, divorce, Um, You know, we used to think that babies didn't remember and whatever happened to them really didn't matter because they didn't remember anyway. And we know that's not true. 
And so what we know now is that what happens to us is incredibly formative. And I can talk a little bit about how the nervous system develops and why that's so important. Yeah, please do that. Because that uh, I think a listener might say like, well, of course, if you've had a bad childhood, you're going to like have adulthood isn't going to go as well. But like, what's the, the link of getting there as far as their neurodevelopment? Right. Well, for me, one of the most exciting pieces of research that's come out is Stephen Porges's research on polyvagal theory, yes, which I, I know you're work. familiar yes. with. I know it's so exciting. And basically, uh, the vagus nerve is the longest nerve in the body, as you know. And the thing that's so curious, it begins developing in utero, particularly the last trimester. But the cool thing is when the baby is born, the little tiny nerves, the vagus nerve in the inner ear, as the baby hears the mother's voice and the mother is calm and present and available, those nerves begin to myelinate or they thicken. And of course, when the nerves thicken, that means they connect. And when they connect, we can really understand the human voice. So we know when someone is angry or when they're present or whatever, it's a very healthy thing. So when we hear the human voice and the inner ear begins to develop, then the vagus nerve then goes around the eyes and the top part of the face. And with that emotional connection, we begin to be able to recognize social cues we recognize facial expression and that nerve then goes around the jaw so that the whole face we recognize when someone is frowning or when they have a funny look on their face and um and then that nerve goes down around the heart and you can even put your hands on your heart right now and feel how calming that is that's your vagus nerve And when we're little tiny and mom or dad, our caregivers are really present and available with us, that vagus nerve around the heart begins to thicken and that helps us settle our nervous system. Mm. And when that happens, the vagus nerve that goes down around the belly, guess what? Helps us digest our food. But what if we had parents like I did? You know, my mother was very loving and wonderful, and she was not at all. She was terrified. Her sister had died just before she received me. So you can imagine how anxious she was. So being terribly anxious, and their marriage wasn't going very well. And so I didn't get that. Many of us didn't have parents who knew how to do that. So what happens is maybe we either overread facial cues or we don't read them at all. So we either shut down or we go, wait a minute, Jay's looking at me. I don't think he likes me very much. You know, so we're overreading the cues or we become on high alert, which means that our nervous system is using cortisol And, um, you know, we're damaging our immune system when we're always thinking there's a woolly mastodon, there's a bear coming to get us at any moment. And, you know, when we need that, that's great because the epinephrine, the cortisol, it's yes, I can run really fast, I can get away or I can fight back. 
But that's not what we as humans need. We need to be able to engage socially. And so that's why it's really, really important as parents that we heal our own capacity to be present and available to our kids because their nervous system is developing. Um, Stephen Porges calls it neuroception, meaning that part of us is looking and always saying, am I safe? Am I welcome here? Do they know it's me? Am I okay? It's all unconscious, but neurologically, physically, that question is always being asked. And when I'm tiny, I can't regulate my own nervous system. I regulate my nervous system with the adult who's with me. And if their nervous system is regulated, meaning if they can calm and soothe their nervous system, ah, then I'm going to be able, as that little one, I'll be able to relax and connect and digest my food. Right. And And so many moms that have kiddos... um, Right when they're born, that they I hear the story of like yeah, she'll, the baby will only sleep on me, and right. Right. it's usually seen as a negative. Um, it obviously shows like right, baby's needing some regulation from the parent, and the parent might be anxious about all of that. And at the same time, you have a sleeping baby on top of you, you can't do anything. <laughs> it forces you to just stay and relax and breathe, even though they might be like, oh my god, a million things to do, and is this baby going to go to college needing to sleep on me like the whole time? Like all those things go through our heads. But it's it's an example of, okay, the baby have just come into the world and needs help to sink in with the nervous system of mom or dad if they're doing that skin to skin. That's really true. And the truth is, until they're a year old to three years old, they, it is not physically possible for them to regulate their own nervous system. And so what happens is they, they co-regulate. It's like this dance that we do. We regulate together. And as a parent, the main thing I need to do is just my job is to be present and help this baby regulate. Right. You know, in old days, we thought if they're dry, they're fed put them in the bed, let them cry it out. It's like, I don't think so. Because what happens when they do that is they learn to what Alan Shore, a a neurophysiologist calls, um, they auto-regulate. They don't co-regulate. It's like, oh yeah, I can do this. I can can make myself, um, I can make it, I can do it. But what's happening is they shut down or they become overly stimulated. So I always tell parents, the more skin to skin when they're little, they're better, the better. We had a, um, a, one of our students had a daycare center up in the Bay Area, and she had a sign around the room that went on forever. And the sign said, if you baby the baby when the baby is a baby, when the baby is not a baby, you won't have to baby the baby anymore. <laughs> I love that. Isn't that great? Right. It's true. That baby is going to be a baby for such a short period of time. Yes. And in fact, even as kids get older, a toddler or an older child, when they're having difficulty 
um, uh, if there's been a tragedy in the family or an, an adopted child, I tell them, sleep with that child. Yeah. I don't care how old they are, you know, they need that regulation because when there's an upset in the family, they need to, to co-regulate. They need an arm around the shoulder. They especially need eye contact hmm. as much as they can handle. Right. Touch and eye contact help to soothe the baby. And when my tone of voice is slow and regulated, then they can begin to soothe themselves as well. Right. I love the analogy you just had around, or the way you described the myelination of those nerves, meaning the thickening of it, that it's getting, mm -hmm. you know, it's stronger. It's neurologically it works a little different than that, but the analogy of it strengthening so that they're getting filled up and they're strengthening the relaxation and the comfort and the connection rather than strengthening the nerves that are wired for on alert and need to protect myself and saber two tigers all over the place so that then they they go through, they have that as their suit that they wear, if you will. And then the whole world becomes that either saber two tigers all over the place or, all right, this is a comforting, loving place. Let's go explore. Right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so let's move into then. So if a child grows up that way, and it, that's what the ACE study was talking about, that if you have that disruption, um, they're going to have, you know, physical impairments, social, emotional impairments, and ha possibly have poor health outcomes. And that's what um, the Kaiser study was looking at, but now going into parenthood, say those people have grown up and, you know, they're obviously like functioning in the world, but maybe not as optimally as, uh, they could now they're parents. And so how does that then go into how you're parenting your own babies? If you haven't really looked at those things and identified things to be able to shift things. Well, I can use myself as an example um, having had, um, and it, it will just tell you a little bit about the ACEs study for just a second. There are 10 questions, and for each type of adversity that you have, you get a score of one. For example, if, you're, if you lost a parent, if you had a parent that was alcoholic, if you had a parent that was mentally ill, um, a parent that went to prison, if you, if your parent, if you witnessed a parent being abused, each of those would be one score. Um, and out of the 10, I have eight. Wow. Um, my husband thinks I have 10. I'm not claiming <laughs> 10. I'm only claiming eight. But I studied, you know, and I'm a therapist for heaven's sake. So um, when I had my children, I wanted to be the best parent possible. So I tried having natural childbirth. I breastfed, I co-slept, I did, I carried them, um, I did everything, I did all the right things. But I learned later, I was not emotionally available to them. I was anxious, which I didn't even know. Um, I didn't do a lot of bad things to them, but I wasn't there. Mm. And my children are grown now. And we've been able to mend that. We're very close now. So the good news is it's never too late. Thank goodness. Right. But the effect is I could do all the right things. And goodness, thank goodness I did that. Certainly was better than my mother was able to do. But it, and it wasn't enough. Mm. But I always say we begin now. 
we begin in this moment. I can't recoup what I didn't know when they were babies. But I can be present and loving now. I can listen deeply. I can have eye contact. I can really be emotionally present. But I didn't even know that I wasn't emotionally present and available. I didn't even know what that was. Mm. I was doing all the right things. I made all my baby food. I, you know, I did right. everything right. But there was nobody home. Mm. There was no mommy for them to be in relationship with. Hmm. So you you found yourself in a parenting sense doing all the right things and like got them to soccer practice and make sure yes. they had the like gosh, clothes yes. on right before they went to school, those kind of things. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I I checked the box. Yeah. And when we do that, it's better than, you know, not checking right. the box. But the more I began to look at and really deal with my own issues and come to terms with, oh, my goodness, my mother couldn't be there for me. Oh, my goodness, there was a lot of abuse. I ran away from home when I was 16 years old and lived with a stranger, you know, because that's what I needed to do for myself. And as I went back without blame, without shame, and just, you know, that's what happened. And I was able, thank goodness, to heal all of that. Um, things began to shift. I didn't know that I couldn't really feel anything. Mm. I remember when my kids were babies, and this is almost embarrassing to admit, I said to somebody, I know I love my kids, but I don't feel anything. Mm. You know, I didn't feel physically a connection with them. And it was through the work that I did was able to connect. And then, of course, that began to be the work that I did with other people. You know, we teach what we need to learn, right? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So uh, in helping families that had had adverse experiences or kids in trouble, adoptive families and so on. And then um, pre and perinatal work um, is just the best because then we're into prevention. Right. And help parents deal with that. Um, in fact, what we do now, my husband and I, um, run a retreat. It's not a re retreat center. It's Rizio Institute. And that's exactly what we do. We do intensive retreats for adults um, that, you know, need to heal their early adverse experiences. Hmm. And, and do you find those people are, do they already have kids or is it parents that are usually coming to you or is it well, regular adult, regular adults? Regular <laughs> Once you're a parent, you're not a regular adult anymore, <laughs> no, right? No, no. <laughs> Um, the people who come to the retreats are very often parents. Okay. Um, sometimes they're parents um, that are trying to get pregnant um, that, that realize, wait a minute, I have some issues to deal with here. Um, I don't recommend that people with new babies come to take 10 days off <laughs> because that baby needs them. Right. Um, but, you know, as soon as it's possible uh, to come and do the work. Um, I have to say, I can't, as a therapist, I can't do in a 50-minute hour once a week what I can do with someone in 10 days with an eight-week follow-up mm. because it you go in very deeply, you have those deep experiences, and begin to literally shift the thinking patterns, begin to grow new neural connections in the brain, and we begin to 
you know, myelinate the vagus nerve in very different ways. And people go home and they have practices and processes that help them be calm and connected, calm and connected with their partner, more loving with their partner, you know, than um, even than they've ever been. And that's why I do the work. It's so exciting. Yeah. And especially with a lot of our listeners being, you know, pregnant now, like getting ready to be parents or brand new parents. um, I can say for me that like parenting definitely triggers your own stuff, you know, all the time. It's it's amazing. Um, And we had uh, Marcy Axness on the podcast as well, talking about her work about like how, if you can in the moment, use that as a reflective moment Mm -hmm. to be able to say, okay, what am I being triggered by and how can I shift that rather than make and the kid wrong or the situation wrong. Um, it's hard to do when you're in that moment, especially if your nervous system's wired to constantly be anxious or to be looking for danger rather than looking for help and looking for comfort, those kind of things. So with those, with knowing that, are there a couple of things um, that you would say to a parent now to be able to um, help them look at their own parenting experience or what comes up for them that might serve them as parents? I mean, obviously we only have a few minutes, not 10 days <laughs> to go through that. And that's a challenge, <laughs> but, um, any, well, any words of advice? Yes. Well, a couple of things. One is to realize that if I've had adverse experiences, there's some part of me that doesn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And we don't use that word much in our culture. It's like, I'm safe. Of course I'm safe, you know, but no, our nervous system doesn't feel safe. And so if I don't feel safe, I'm going to push you away when I become anxious. I'm going to start pushing away. I do that with blame. I do that with um, literally pushing. I do that with shutting down or disappearing because my nervous system has to feel safe. So I think the first thing that we can do as parents is begin to recognize oh, okay, that's a place I need to just, okay, I need to relax here. I need to take a breath. That's number one. Well, number one is just to realize, wait a minute, something's off. Number two, take a breath, and I can just put my hand on my heart. (sighs) Have a nice exhale. And I used to say, as my kids got a little older, I I would say, wait a minute, you know, I think monster mom just walked into the room. <laughs> I need to take care of her. I'll be right back. And literally, I would walk out, get a drink of water and say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I blew it. I, you know, that monster mom is just, I'm going to have to have a talk with her. And they would laugh. You know, <laughs> sure, would that's beautiful. I love that. Back. Yeah. So, um, and as they got older, monster mom came out less and less because I was able to regulate my own nervous system. But I think for us as parents to um, take the ACEs survey. Um, and actually, if you go to birthpsychology.com and put in ACEs, you can find the ACE survey. You can find the, um, the survey that I did and Kate White has, has worked with. She's doing research on it on adverse early experiences. And you can take the resiliency. It's really important for us to recognize that we made it. And somebody somewhere believed in us. And somehow there was a moment where things were not always bad. 
you know, mm. and to recognize that resiliency piece. So that's another one. Take the surveys, create a list of resources, things that, um, that I have, friends, family members, um, things that help me to regulate, take a drink of water, whatever that is, make a list of that. And I always recommend that people journal when you have time. And I know if you have a, if you're a new parent, journaling is, is not always easy. Um, uh, doing yoga, Tai Chi, Qigong, any of those kinds of things. You can do uh, yoga with baby on the mat. You know, you can, baby can do the yoga with you. Strengthening your positive relationships, whatever those are, a good friend, somebody that you can talk to. And then, of course, seeking professional help. Um, people often call me from all over the country. I need a therapist. Who can I see? And I know a lot of people, and I'm always happy to help people find someone um, that, you know, that can help. And certainly taking a retreat is helpful as well when that's possible. Right. I'll definitely have those links to those um that you just mentioned on the birthpsychology.com. So like if you're listening to this right. either in the app or you're on the website, like it'll have links to go straight to it. You don't have to write that down because um, those are really great assessments and means of just taking a moment to answer some questions, to, to put some perspective on some things for you that are really helpful as, as a parent. So thank you for mentioning those. Um, in our closing minutes, like what's the main um, take-home message you'd like the parents listening to this to get from what we were talking about today? It's never too late. It's never too late to heal your past. It's never too late to expand your capacity for love and connection. I can tell you there's always more. It's very, very hopeful. Never, ever, ever too late. So we begin now. Yeah, we begin right Good now. <laughs> what about for the little one that might be listening either through mama's ears and still in utero getting ready to come into the world or maybe they're on mama's chest now listening or daddy's chest? Like what words of wisdom would you like to whisper into their little ear? This is what I would do. Hmm. You are home. You are safe. You are loved. You are home, you are safe, you are loved. That's beautiful. Thank you. I've never had anyone sing on the podcast before. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it just goes to show you anybody can sing. Our babies need to hear <laughs> us sing. I don't care if you think you can't sing. Sing anything. It really, really helps build the nervous system. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. This has been really helpful. There's, it's a huge subject. We could have talked forever about it, but I, I appreciate you being able to put into little pieces for people to get some really good tangible uh, one advice and information, but and some action steps as well. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. I enjoyed it. Take care. Hi, it's Dr. J again, and I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It's something I really enjoy doing, and I, as a parent, learn a ton from these experts coming on and sharing their wisdom, so I hope you're getting a lot out of it, too. And I want to share something else with you. I've created a guide called The 40 Ways to Connect with Your Baby During Pregnancy. It's full of simple things you can do on a day-to-day -day basis that will help strengthen that bond that you have with your baby. It's a free download. You can go to my website at drjwarren.com slash 40 ways and just enter your email. I'll send it right to you. You can download it and start working on it right away. 
all of the research that I'm learning in the fields of epigenetics and attachment parenting is showing that the more bonded you are during your pregnancy with your baby, the better the birth is going to go and the better parenting is going to go because you have that strong foundation, a strong connection to build upon. So go again to my website. It's drjwarren.com slash 40 ways and get that free guide. And again, thanks for listening.